The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Like it's cloud, like it's really good diffuse lighting right now because I got a window right here, so it's nice. Yeah, uh, it's nice while so I'm on the beach here. Yeah, you dick. Uh, hopefully, Aiden's recording all this. Is Aiden recording all yes, this? Yes, great. Recording. Welcome to Kicking It, everybody. I want that to be the intro where uh, Grant and I are just kind of bickering about where I'm in 12 inches of snow in Des Moines. Uh, Grant is uh, currently where? Tampa, Florida. Right now, it is 79 degrees and sunny. If I could slap you through a computer screen, I would slap you. Shout out. I want to give a shout out to uh, our neighbor right now. It looks like maybe the high school kid who lives next door to us, Nathan Williams, is currently snowblowing our driveway. Unexpected. Hey. Didn't ask him to do that. Really appreciate that. Yeah, That's been, nice. Been, been getting notifications on the, on the back door camera, person at the door. I'm thinking, why is there a person at the back door? And I see him just, I'm like, you know, Good. salt of the earth group over there. Hey, plus, uh, it's, it's Iowa nice there. Uh, I had a similar experience. So yesterday I was, uh, I'm not, I, I didn't grow up uh, working on engines at all, but I did grow up like my brother and I took stuff apart, put it back together. He's an electrical engineer now. Uh, dad was a farmer. And so kind of have that like figured out mentality. So I'd never really taken, like looked into small engines and stuff. Well, it turned out snowblower wasn't starting as you're trying to get ready for the storm. And uh, so I have it in the garage and I have it up and I'm taking everything away and looking taking apart the carburetor and the float and the carburetor turned out to be broken, just kind of doing enough research and asking dad and YouTube and reading articles and stuff. The There's a pin and a seat with under the float and the carburetor for those that are familiar with that. Great. But as I'm kind of dig, taking it apart and looking at it, our neighbor, Todd, who's a retired guy who's driving, driving by to go and get groceries, pulls in the driveway. He's like, you got that thing working yet? I was like, nah, I, something's wrong with it. It's not starting. He's like, well, if you can't get it figured out, I'll just blow, snow blow your driveway for you. It's like, awesome, man. Thanks, Todd. So <laughs> great. Oh, darn it. I don't have to spend time going to AutoZone to try and find the right seat and pin for this carburetor float from a 2003 snowblower. So, uh, yeah, I stopped trying to fix it at that point because Todd said he was going to take care of it and it was already noon. And anyway, uh, kicking it's brought to you by Kelderman Manufacturing. Kelderman.com for those that are interested. Bigger, bolder, better. It's talking about quality suspension products and trucks they have laser cutting they have basically everything you need for a big a truck rig anything good people at kelderman.com um we're admittedly we are planning today on having fran Frischilla on but it snowed a foot and uh that makes logistics difficult when you have to fly in go to practice prep for the show or prep for the game and then get to the stadium in enough time to watch shoot around and everything. So we didn't actually get Fran on because thanks mother nature really appreciate that. Um, so the next best thing to Fran for is later in the show, we're going to bring Nate Schuster on because it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I think Nate's probably got a better shooting percentage than Fran. Um, three point attempts, minimum one attempt. Um, but I, I, you know, Nate's always got great basketball insight for us. So, yeah, and so uh, we Fran were... Fran left his you know he left his cross country skis in New York, um, decided not to borrow a pair while he was in Ames, and 
didn't work out. But yep. fortunately, Nate was able to cross country ski from his living room to his bedroom, and yeah, will be joining us. It's good. Although this, I think the snow is weighing down the line, so he's going to have to to fight through Wi-Fi injury. You know, he's playing hurt, playing hurt. Um, we'll start off the show a little bit uh, just because it was the last college football game of the season uh, yesterday, and. I think the reason, you know, this is a basketball podcast is Iowa State. People kind of care, kind of don't care about uh, college football at this point now that Iowa State's done. But it is one of the things I was, did you get to, a chance to watch the game itself? Yeah, we were traveling back from Miami. So I had a, I was in the back seat watching it on a, on a, on a phone screen, just really <laughs> squinting. <Hearing. laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, is it number one or number 11? How much uh, time's left on the clock? There's, let's say four minutes. I, as a, you know, big 10 pack 12, I don't really care. Like neither. I'm not a, an avid fan of either one of the teams. So as, you know, as I tend to do with the NFL, most times is just watch it like an alien from space and just see which one I tend up rooting for. I, I started rooting for Washington because they were more of an underdog and it, but it was like a very slight thing until, did you hear what Holly Rowe reported about JJ McCarthy in the, like around the first quarter talking about like his, uh, his mental sharpness that he likes to, to do like a little, uh-huh. a little cutaway. So they had a little cutaway, and uh, I started rooting for Washington because of this, because oh. apparently the, Holly comes in, and she says that uh, J.J. McCarthy will brush his teeth with his left hand, even though he's right-handed, because it, quote, promotes or stimulates alpha brain waves. And while he's brushing his teeth, he looks in the before, or before after he brushes his teeth, he looks in the mirror and says, I love you, man. And then that's his While, that's while brushing his teeth? Yeah, so it feels like there's a better way to do that but i was like all right a guy brushing his teeth with his offhand to promote alpha brain waves um that's a little little tinfoil little tinfoil for me you know i i I can appreciate though because he he is you know a little on the crunchy side and i can appreciate that because i see that he meditates before the game which i'm down with well he was i'm down with yep i i I am too and and he's meditating before the game he you know before the rose bowl he was he had his shoes off and was grounding on the mm-hmm. you know the, the natural grass that is yep. i'm i'm down with stadium i'm down with that but the, i can uh, appreciate that when, when i was when i was 19 20 years old i wasn't thinking about any of that stuff so yeah i, I just, just the uh the alpha brain waves with a left-handed toothbrushing like that was just one of that was a bridge too far uh so i might need to try that though just to see what your alpha brain waves are yeah, I don't know if I have alpha brain waves. <laughs> I just got one brain wave. It's not even alpha or beta. It's just like B. It's like a B uh, brain. Yeah, wave. it's just just a brain. It's there. <laughs> it's, it just slowly. It's and, and it's not even a wave. Like it, it's uh, we're like normal brain waves are just like alternating up and down contractions. It's just brain waves are like it's working for three seconds, and it's just brain is totally not working for three seconds. More, more, more brain waves are like ocean waves. Mine's like a like Lake Laverne wave. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's there. You know? It's, it's body water. Um. No, the, the, so the game itself, the the takeaways I got from that one are, I think, as much, I don't know, this is going to be a Big Ten game next year because Washington's going to join the Big Ten, Big Ten, Washington. Washington and Michigan plays at Washington next year. But Penix is going to be gone. All three of the wide receivers are going to be gone. The top defensive end, which they managed to neutralize, uh, was going to be gone. But so I don't know if this game is going to have the same flair next year. I think Michigan's able to reload probably a little bit, a little bit better at this point than Washington is. Um, but one of the things that it what struck my struck me a little bit and not necessarily an Iowa state connection because it's not like an Iowa state connection would is when the, in the first quarter, Michigan had a zillion rushing yards and they were averaging 19 yards a carry. All of those, all of those big rushes came from either unbalanced or six offensive lineman sets that 
Washington guaranteed had never seen before. And by the time it got to be, I think it's 14 to three, and Michigan started driving, it was start of the second quarter. The professor's gambit kicked in, but their offense didn't hold the water to actually move it. So the professor's gambit being John Haycock, usually the first quarter for Iowa State is going to be pretty bad uh, relative to the rest of the game because I don't know how you're going to try and attack our defense. So we're going to run more of a base defense. We're not going to throw as many pressures, see where you want to attack. And then we take that away and now we'll actually go and play the game. And so your goal is that you can sort of withstand that blow, figure out what you're doing and then lock it down from there. And Washington kind of did that, but their offense just never really handled. So they ran the professor's game, but they just didn't have the offense to, to combat that. So I was just thinking like John Haycock would be proud of the defensive game plan until you end up throwing two interceptions and miss on i think eight straight third downs so defensively washington i i just i like the professor's gambit they ran yeah i i you know <clears throat> this was the third college playoff in a row that michigan had been to um it's what they said i thought it was only their second but i guess it was their third third um, they got the shit kicked out of them by georgia i think it was georgia in the first the two years ago uh, georgia, last year yeah T- tcu caught wind that they were stealing signs and just you know they're a curveball and they're expecting fastball. Um, so I, I felt like Michigan was ready for the for the lights. They'd been there before in Washington, mm-hmm. almost like the, the, the lights were too bright. Um, I, I felt like Penix, too, was really – he wasn't going through his progressions. He was really locking onto one guy and forcing the ball, um, which you saw on, on his second interception, um, just forcing it between, like, four guys, and they got picked, and they got taken back almost for a touchdown. But it, to me, it felt like uh, – you know, Penix hadn't really been pressured or didn't really know how to handle pressure very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that Michigan's team might have taken offense to, maybe not, maybe I'm making stuff up. Michigan's team might have taken offense to Washington's offensive line winning the best offensive line um, award well, this Michigan year. With Michigan. The two years prior. Yeah. So, so I, I wonder if, you know, Michigan's team would just kind of go, yeah, they think they got the best line. Well, let's show them. Um, because they were, I mean, Michigan's oh, I, gu- good. I guarantee you, sure, is it Sherrod Moore is the offensive line coach? I Good guarantee night. you, I think that the he's the guy that cried and swore on national TV when Harbaugh was suspended. Uh, I think it's Sharon, Sherrod Moore. I forget. Either, anyway, um, I guarantee him and then the defensive line coach, one billion percent had that conversation. One billion percent. You know, and coaches you, just look for any kind of bolted oh, material. God anything it doesn't matter like it's you know the, the last dance thing when michael jordan made up the fact that george carl like he just made it up like straight up made it up like that's <laughs> that's the thing that 100 if you can find any angle at all to like just especially because football is such an obnoxiously aggressive game you know like you have to literally run full speed into another human being 50 to 70 times in a game that's, right? that's why i would look for you know guys just just looking around at kickoffs because I would tell myself this guy probably said something bad about, about my grandma at some point. You're gonna get depleted, and did, I would put put all 150 pounds into me and just <laughs> try to you know deplete him. Did you uh did you visualize somebody like with a saying water sucks? Yeah, I really was. I, I'm, I'm, when I would kick football, sometimes I would imagine you know if, if someone had like crossed me that day or if I was just upset, I would imagine their face on the ball and just really just kicking the piss out of it. I'm pre- I'm impressed. Uh, I, want, I, I feel like we can save stories for another time of whose faces showed up on that ball. Sure. Um, <laughs> the uh, the only other thing that I would talk about with the uh, 12-team playoff or the, the 
play or the cultural national championship is that is the last of the four last one of the four four team playoff next year is going to be the start of the 12 team playoff i don't mean this like in any like soup like false hopey situation especially like coming off the bowl game it's going to be sort of like poo-pooed Iowa State has a legitimate shot at the playoff next year simply because of the structure. Now, we don't know exactly. I don't think there's been the specifics of who's getting in there, but I because especially with the Pac-12 falling apart, who which conference champions count, which ones don't count. But I would imagine Big 12 as a power conference champion, you're going to get in. And if you have like a, if there's an outstanding at-large, you're probably not going to get a ton of at-larges because the Big 10 and the SEC are going to take up most of those at-larges. And then you have the automatic, you know, your Memphises is your Liberties, the, the one group of five is going to get in there. Uh, but if you have like a, a 12 and 0 or an 11, one champion, and then an 11 and one or a 10 and two runner up, the big 12 could potentially get two, maybe three. If there's outstanding, I doubt it probably just one to two, but the big 12 champion has a chance to be, or is not has a chance. The big 12 champion will be in the playoff next year. And the Iowa big 12 is pretty wide open. The big 12, uh, Iowa state has a legitimate chance at the big 12 championship next year. Now, again, there are some things that have to go right. Arizona is going to be pretty good. Oklahoma state with Ollie Gordon is going to be pretty good. Utah is going to be pretty good, especially because they're going to have their quarterback back. So well, Oklahoma state also with uh, Bowman, just got his seventh, seventh 50, year of 53rd year. The kids gonna have, he's gonna have grandkids before he gets out of school. But the, you, you, there are teams that are going to be good. Obviously Texas Tech's probably going to be better. TCU I would imagine is going to be better. Uh, but there are there are going to be teams with Iowa State's roster coming back. They will have a shot at the Big 12 championship. So like next year, the playoff is not a completely unreasonable expectation. But again, some stuff is going to have to go right. But like thinking about this next year, like that's a fun place to be. Like, could you imagine being 10 years ago and saying that Iowa State has a shot at being a, a playoff or, or at that time a BCS team? Like, could you imagine at all what that would be like? Yes. 10 no. years ago? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, 2014. No, no but I, I think, I think it, um, I think next year when the playoffs expand, that's going to be, and, and not to, you know, not to crap on the the previous, what, 10 years or so of the 14 playoff, but I think whoever wins the 12 team playoff is going to be more impressive because, you know, had, you know, say Georgia been in this year, mm-hmm. had Ohio State been in this year, would we still have seen, you know, a Michigan Washington final? I don't know. It's up Florida State even. I mean, they, they, they should have been in. I'm still in. They should have been in. But I think the 12-team playoff allows for the teams where, you know, yeah, Florida State was 12-0, 13-0, whatever. Do they deserve to be in? I don't know. With the 12-team, they will be in. But yeah. then you also have, like like you said, I think the I think the SEC and the, the, the Big Ten will get three to four teams probably. You'll get, you know, you'll get mm-hmm. probably – you'll get at least one team from the Big 12 and the ACC. I'm guessing two – maybe three sometimes depending on how teams are and then you're going to get you know like aac that, that well, you, there's a i would imagine there's going to be one guaranteed like the highest ranked non-group of five or group of four now the highest ranked non-group of four team is going to be in so it, it is just is, is notre dame an automatic shoe in though they're in, they're independent and they yeah, basically know. create their own schedule so will they be a shoe in essentially i mean if, if there are two or less losses they're probably going to be in yeah. i'd imagine they just have to be inside the top 12 rankings or top 11 minus whoever it is so like they're going to always just have to be an at-large which is interesting because they would have to then be a higher seed in order to host the playoffs so unless they're like undefeated and they're like the top four seed like you know that's where like the rankings from the committee is going to come in all this stuff will come out in the next year so like we'll have some may and june material to go over um but what we don't have in may and june is 
Nate Schuster talking Iowa State, Houston basketball. So this is going to be the Goldfinch Athletics interview. It's supposed to be with Fran Fraschilla, uh, Goldfinch Athletics. Go to goldfinchathletics.com. We actually, uh, my business partner and I, actually were on the, the Chris Williams pod, the CW pod on Iowa Everywhere, talking about actual like what we do on the other side. So if you want to go do that, um, go check it out. Also, when you just took a drink of that, I mean, those that, that are listening, and this is an audio podcast, we are doing this uh, visually. You can probably see clips of this. When you took a drink, your Zoom background completely included your drink. So you just disappeared. There's a hole in your face that a palm tree showed up in. So impressive. Can I, can I talk about this for a second? You can't see it. Okay. It's Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks. We're gonna, hey, Aiden, we got a Grand Scribes. Grand Scribes. Grand Scribes. So I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a cold brew guy. I try to support local when I can down in Tampa. Um, you know, you know, Starbucks. So we're going to Starbucks. Try to get a nitro cold brew. Didn't have it. They're out. Shock. Shocker. They're usually out of their nitro cold brew. So I say, yeah, I'll just get a cold brew. Normal cold brew. Cold brew is supposed to be chilled, obviously, and smooth. That, that's like the benefit of cold brew. Smooth. It, it doesn't have the bitterness. My first sip, <laughs> this is not cold brew. This is a bitter coffee. My gripe is I don't think Starbucks is making cold brew. I think they are brewing coffee, chilling it, and then pouring it over ice and are calling you, it cold brew. Are you accusing Starbucks of fraud? Yeah, I am. So if you see a lawsuit presented from me to Starbucks. Can we, make this class, can we make this class action? Yeah. And you know what's even more messed up is that they're charging 50 cents more for this, this cold brew fraud than they are for just a normal iced coffee. So one day I'm going to, I'm going to get a tall cold brew, just, just plain and a tall iced coffee, just plain do a blind taste test and see how they taste. I'm going to say they taste similar. If they do class action lawsuit coming your way. I'm in, I'm in on this class action lawsuit. I don't know how much I'm going to get, but I don't care. I'm in bring it down the man. I just want, I mean, I just, I don't know if I want money. I just want quality. quality, fairness? I just want money. I don't really care about the the quality of the cold brew to Starbucks, but I just just want some money. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Grand stripe over. Grand stripes. Done griping. Uh, Grand stripes. Grand stripes. (laughs) (laughs) Again, for for those that are just listening auditory, every time Aiden comes in, he completely just changes the shape of the screen. And so he literally is like, just a, it's like he shows up, like a, a cartoon character entering stage left, Grand Scribes. So, I don't know. Thank you, Aiden, for that. Okay, that being said, no more Grand Scribes. But we are going to go to Nate Schuster. Because we're going to talk, we're going to preview Houston a little bit for about 10 minutes or so. And then get on to the rest of the Big 12. Because there is a lot more meat in the bone for the Big 12. Because we haven't really talked about it since Oklahoma. So, Goldfish Athletics interview. Nate Schuster this week. What's up, fellas? Nate, how are you? doing good can't complain working from home are you, on recording, there. Are, you re- are you recording from potato right now i think it's greeny as hell <laughs> yeah uh old old macbook from from pre-college days <laughs> hey, i'm not i'm not i'm not knocking man just giving you a hard time i'll give you a hard time uh okay so we're gonna talk houston um so right now we're recording this at uh 12 30 central time on tuesday which is about five and a half hours prior to the game being recorded so going into this game there's a couple things that stick out to me as like a non-basketball person that Houston's pace is super slow, but their efficiency numbers seem really good. But I don't necessarily know how to break down efficiency numbers. So two things, two-part question. Part number one is how do you reconcile like Houston's pace with their efficiency? And two is what is offensive efficiency? Like, like 
offensive and defensive efficiency, what do those statistics actually mean? Like for me, batting yeah. average is the amount of at-bats that you get when, a pit, when, when you have a chance to hit the ball. How many times do you get a hit when you take away walks or hit by pitches? Okay, that's what that statistic means. So it gives you an indication of the person's capacity to get a hit. Uh, offensive efficiency numbers what and defensive efficiency numbers, what do those numbers mean? And then again, how do you reconcile those with the fact that Houston is super slow-paced but still super good efficiency? Break it down for okay. someone who doesn't have very many uh, alpha brainwaves. <laughs> Shout out J.J. McCarthy, uh, future Russell Wilson, by the way. Uh, I think but... it's future Zach Wilson, but anyway. Oh, God. Pick, pick a Wilson. I don't think you want to be either right now. I don't but... know. One's, one's got a ring. One's got some cougars. <laughs> okay, so answering your first question. So offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency – the the common denominator with both of those is points per possession so what are you getting per possession the goal on offense every time is to be over 1.1 points per possession so if we're going to go down this possession we are going to score 1.1 points on average uh if you're does really good free throws? does that include free throws so i'm i'm yes. tame and lipsy i dribble to the lane go to shoot a layup get fouled miss the layup go to the free throw line make one of two, then my points per possession on that possession was one. Correct. Yeah, so if Steph Curry gets fouled on a three-point attempt and he shoots 97% from three, you do three times .97, that's his points per possession that you should expect from that three, or okay. from three free throws. So that's really what that comes down to. Same way with defense, what can you force them below that 1.1 number? Uh, our goal when I was playing was around the 0. 0.97 to 0.95. Did we hit that a lot, of, especially the 2021 year? No, uh, but some years we did. So if I'm looking at Houston right now and I have their Kempom stuff pulled up right now, you're right, they're 325th in pace, but they're crazy good on offense. And what that tells me is they're running their offense until they get the look that they want. So they're not letting anyone else dictate their pace. Think of them kind of like that 2018 Virginia team way back in the day when they had Ty Jerome oh, the, and Kyle Guy and uh, DeAndre the, Hunter. The, those Tony, the Tony Bennett team that is – they Tech. scored like 59 a game that, but the opponent's scoring 31 because every time they go down, they're making a shot. Yeah. Is that the year that they won it or did they get bounced at uh, UMKC? UMKC? No, Baltimore Coast, Maryland-Baltimore Coast. Yeah, you timeline, just... timeline. They lose against the 16 seed. The next year, they beat Texas Tech at the final. Ah, okay. so it's a really good comeback story if you want to think of it that way. I think it's it's kind of funny that Texas Tech got bounced, but that's just me. Uh, that's what I would look at for them is you know slow pace. They're going to get the shot that they want. They don't let you speed them speed them up. They're the George Niang of Big 12 basketball this year. They do things oh, yeah. the way they want to do them. I appreciate that. Uh, so another question. So regarding like, D, so if Houston's a super efficient offense and they're going to possess the ball until they get the right shot, let's compare that with like, put that point on the table. Let's talk about another point, which is the fact that we mentioned it before this, like the big meat of the season got here, that the fact that Jazz Coons and Gabe Kalsher can't slide underneath a baseline drive and take a charge anymore means they have to start doubling on the, doubling on the baseline or doubling on the po or the post or the block, whatever you want to call it. So they have to double on the baseline, which is going to leave a double team anywhere is an un is an open player somewhere. And because they have to, that's what they ran, I think against Oklahoma and against the, the bigger, stronger teams that they played is you have 
double in the post. So Hassan Ward comes off of somebody to double somebody. Well, now there's somebody available. They have to over-rotate. And if the team can get it out of that double team, there's going to be an open three somewhere. How is Iowa State going to have to, like, coming off of Oklahoma, what adjustments are they going to make, especially against a Houston team who's really good at getting their shot? How are they going to amend that defense? Because I would imagine that double on the block or double on the baseline, unless you're getting a turnover, is going to be really bad for business today against Houston. Yeah. Uh, they That's something they've – personally, I've seen them run that same scheme that they ran against Oklahoma all year. That's their principles is they're forcing everything baseline and they're going to trap in that short corner. I, I think they're still going to do it today. I don't know if they're going to do it to the same extent. The one thing that we have on them, honestly, is size, which is weird. Uh, Milan being his size, he's a true 6'10". That, that makes a huge difference for us on the backside defense because – you're right. There's a man disadvantage when you go a trap there. One guy's going to have to guard two guys, and that's pretty much impossible. What we would need to happen for us to win tonight, and I think we have a chance, but we would need to do this, is whoever is the guy doubling the post. So let's say he's on the left block and there's LJ Criers in the right corner. He's going to have to be the guy that traps the post, gets the ball out of the post, and then also get to the guy in the corner at the same time so that guy so you just you have to really i would imagine on that double you have to be really really intent to not allow a skip pass and so my def right so yes my definition of a skip pass so if there's one guy you can come in that with high hands so there's for those that i mean again this is me explaining it to myself but like there's if there's three guys that are outside the three-point line there's two guys that are inside the three-point line and there's one guy that's getting doubled just outside the lane if we double that guy, as and I'm on defense, and a skip, a, a normal passing mechanism is that guy who's on that baseline by the by the lane is going to pass it to the nearest defender. He passes it to somebody else who's on the th- outside of the three point line. He passes it to the next person, and they just hot potato it all the way around. And yeah. that would be that's ball movement. And then a skip pass means you skip one of the steps, one or more of the steps in there. So instead of getting it from that trap to the three point line to guy number two to guy number three to guy number four you then just take it straight from trap guy to guy number four. And so then you just skip that pass all the way across. Oklahoma did that a ton against Iowa state on Saturday. And it led to a bunch of open threes. They made, I don't know, 40% of them, 50% of them, but that's still a good percentage if you're making most of those. So the correction you're saying is that in, when you come to trap that person, it's not just that you're trapping, it's where you're trapping from and that you have to then keep your hands up instead of sideways because then that skip pass can't happen. Because if my if I'm Milan and I'm coming to trap and my hands are up and I'm six foot nine and I got a wingspan of a zillion feet, my hands are up in the air, you can't throw it over or through them. So you have to go around. And once you start going around, then I can adjust back, get back to the guy who they're ultimately trying to get the ball to on the backside. Right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. You actually hit that. That was almost better than some of the coach. Not bad that. for a wrestler, <laughs> Jeff. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. The, the other piece that I would add to that is if you're on defense, you have to be moving on the pass, not on the catch. Okay. So you have to be able to realize that when uh, I'm just going to pull up a, a Houston player, JV Javier Francis or Jawan Roberts, we'll go with them. Those are their two posts. Those are the guys that Rob Jones and Hassan Ward are going to be guarding tonight. When those guys stuff them in lockers, the, baby. Hell yeah. When, when those guys get the ball in the post, what we need to do is trap them, and our goal needs to be when they throw the pass, we need to be 
traveling on airtime in rotation to get to their guy so that we can be there on the on the catch so, so that they don't get that open look. So instead of waiting to see where that pass goes, is as soon as ball leaves that post's hands, whoever it is, Francis, as yeah, soon as he leaves that off. ball leaves his hands, so you just gotta Yeah. It's a good you job. Come in, you sh- shuffle. Shuffle hand high, hand high. Yeah. Uh so like they're just getting out quicker. Um offensively now, because Houston defensive efficiency, what are they sitting at? Number one in the country. That's good, I would say. Um, so what <laughs> how do you break that down? So Milan, like, is, just is, let him cook. Just make some shots. Uh just shoot. Shoot. Make some shots, dude. Um, <laughs> is there a matchup or matchups that Iowa State needs to win in order to be good on the offensive end against the number one defense number one most efficient defense in the country? Or is there something else like schematically that would get Iowa State a better chance to beat Houston? This somewhat ties back in Oklahoma and it's jumping up, jumping the gun a little bit, but can't shoot 18% from three. Tame and Lipsy can't go one for 10 from the field. Those are the obvious. I think the matchup really comes down to do Jones, Jones and Ward, can they stay out of foul trouble because the posts are, are active and can Lipsy take down LJ Cryer defensively because offensively we're going to be a little bit in a tough scenario because of the fact that they are we're the fifth ranked defense in the country they're number one this is going to be a rock fight uh for us on offense especially with how things looked against oklahoma they were the 11 ranked defense if my numbers are correct so that's really what it, it comes did, down to get them in movement the same way that they're going to try to get us in movement on defense it didn't seem like it was the the, the offensive stuff with against oklahoma it felt a little bit like the lights were really bright for a lot of the guys, I mean, t- not necessarily Taman. He just shot like ass. Like every once in a while, you get one of those shoot like ass games. Uh, but the the guys like Milan and Trey King just didn't shoot well. And I don't know if again, I don't know if its lights were bright, but Milan had plenty of good looks. I just think he he wanted the ball to go in so badly that he started trying to you know like an aim it instead of throw it type situation. And I would imagine that the Hilton crowd there's a foot and a half of snow on the ground by the time the game's going to tip off, but it's still going to be full. Uh, I think that's probably going to help because you're going to be able to ride the anticipation. And it's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong when you're on the road, it's more of like an aggression type thing. Cause you're trying to show the fans that you can do it versus it's just pure adrenaline when you're at home. Like it's less, de- I mean, less, less aimed at anything. It's more like I'm just hopped up. So it feels like that they're going to be able to play better at home because they're and the shooting is going to be less aiming and more shooting. So um, I don't know. I don't know whether if there's a question from that, but I, I that think I think you know, there's some substance there for sure. We've talked about that in the past that, you know, the home team's always going to come out with a lot more juice in that first four minute media. Uh, the goal, if you're the road team, is to shut that off immediately after the fact, because once you hit that media, you got some about two, three minutes of downtime during that timeout when it cuts to commercial. I think that's that's what Houston's gonna try to do to us tonight is let us get all of our our adrenaline, all of our juice out of the way in that first four so that they can play the rest of the 36 minutes tonight at kind of a so, pace. So just, just watching the Oklahoma game, you know, obviously Iowa State's played a bunch of just nobodies in non-conference had a lot of home games and then the away, you know, the away games, they do look a little a little off kilter and it just kind of felt like throughout the entire Oklahoma game, like obviously the competition was, was ramped up and it was better for the team out there. They just looked really tight buckle out there. Like they were super just afraid to make mistakes and 
just you know loosen up that sphincter a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think being back home will 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 help that. And Taman is really I mean, we've kind of touched on Taman is really the the engine that keeps you know this this team moving along. And him fouling out, going one for ten, like you mentioned, zero for four, um, just really not having a very Taman Lipsy type game. Um, do you think you know really, really, really hurt us? And so yeah, I mean, I, I was gonna, I want to talk on you know what what the keys to the game were and our game might be for for this game and, and how you know Taman and, and LJ Cryer, who is a transfer from Baylor, I believe. Yep. Um, yes. How 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 you know how that matchup's gonna look? So can I? Is. Can, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this question and make it a little bit more general. Was sure. Oklahoma the first time that Taman was approached as the offensive threat? And is that something to be expected tonight into the rest of the Big 12 season? Because in in years years past, last year, there was only one year. Last year, Taman was very much a facilitator. He would take a shot or a runner or a layup if it was there, but he's going to score 12 points a game on the high end. This year, yep. he's shown a lot more offensive versatility, especially in the non-con, even against the better teams. You know, your VCUs, your A&Ms, you know, Vatek. So was the Oklahoma game, kind of a portent of something to come with him being the offensive threat or was it just that he had a shit game? I think it was more of the shit game. I mean, and, and this is really where I, where I see it is if you look at the numbers, he shot the ball 10 times, which is still third on the team in attempts. What I think Oklahoma did was they tried to take away Gilbert because he ended up with only five shots. Now, granted he did foul out, but to me, I think he is the more dominant on ball guard and I think he makes more stuff happen for others than Taman does myself just because of the way that he drives I think Taman is all around a better player but from an offensive standpoint I think it should flow through Gilbert if this team's really hitting their potential I I feel like too that you know some of the transfers we saw them early on you know I'm thinking you know Pav Gilbert Jiggy that they they were still kind of getting used to the to the flow of, of playing at this level and it almost felt like you know, versus Oklahoma, they they kind of you know reverted back to to early season uh, how they were playing, and um, it's easier said than done. You know, to to basically you know tell them, hey, go out there and just play, just ball. You guys can ball, ball. Um, but I think, I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm drunk on the Kool Aid. You know, I I I think being back home will be uh, comforting for them, and hopefully we see them, you know, get back to how they had been playing later on in the non-con schedule. Um, where they're, they're playing with confidence and, you know, Pat was out there looking like a young Jason kid almost. And okay. <laughs> that's that's a, too far. A little far. A little far. Well, I, I just, I like when he goes under the hoop ish. I like when he goes under the hoop and you Mono know, Ginobili. No, uh, Ray John Rondo. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I like when, when, when Pat goes under the hoop and, you know, is, is looking to facilitate and yeah. When, when we're not forcing shots, when we're letting the game come to us, and when um, when Gilbert is, is aggressive to the hoop, I just I, I feel like Oklahoma was an off game for this team, and hope hope this team bounce back. Tough spot to bounce back against a really good Houston team, um, and I guess I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but I'm I'm confident that you know that the team can bounce back. Um, yeah, and hopefully give Houston. I think is the only undefeated team left in the in the country, given their first loss. Is there a question in there? Uh, well, I was kind of hoping you guys would pick up from there. I, I, oh, I, got, I, got, I, got, I have a, I have a shining light for you. We're, t- we're I'm only make a prediction. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm still, I'm, 
golly, I'm going to get canceled for this. I'm not sold on this Iowa State team just yet because I think we've played just shit opponents. Um, I think that Houston is is really good. I don't know if Hilton will be rocking as much as it will be if it were not, you know, 18 inches of snow outside. I think Houston's going to win this one like 77-65. I think, I think it's going to be a, a, a good game for us. But then I think, you know, take our lumps early. We bounce back and finish uh, finish non-con 10-8. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a bold prediction. People will probably be able to hear that prediction after it's already happened. So, like I would imagine, most of the listenership on this is going to be after the Houston game has already been played. So, they're listening to a prediction that you made before the game, after the game actually happened. So, you either a savant or a moron. There's no. If we lose now. 77 to 65, I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket as soon as I get back, and uh, I'll see you guys later. I'm probably going to move to Hawaii and just retire. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, Should parlay well, that with okay. the over one thirty-one and a half. One thirty-one. That feels really low. Over. That's over really low. That's really low for a college basketball game. My that's, my personal rule with this stuff is if it's under one thirty-five, you take the over. Uh, Nate's bets. Is, Nate's bets. Um, yeah, track me next week. <laughs> so is there is there something? So watching Oklahoma, having not yet seen Houston, and watching the rest of the conference. To me, you know, we mentioned, we talked about it before, is that in any given day, of the four guards that Iowa State plays predominantly, two of them have to have a good game in order for Iowa State to win. Zero of them had a good game against Oklahoma. Uh, is there a, like, going forward in the season, I don't know if it's it's obviously hard to tell because, you know, something like Jiggy Kurt with shooting. Like, shooting's going to come and go every once in a while just because. Is there somebody that you feel like is going to step forward uh, like whether it's Keyshawn getting back to where he was in the non-con, Taman feels like he's kind of a sure bet. What do you expect to see from the guards going forward in the conference and what kind of roadblocks would prevent them from getting there? Um, well, one, I think it's just going to take some time. Like Keyshawn Gilbert coming from UNLV, Buffalo for Jiggy, uh, Wofford for, for Pop, have Bob, nice, no, pick one. Jackson. Uh, yeah, Jackson, uh, there's going to be a one to two game adjustment period to get in the conference play. I mean, we had a little bit of a runway, I guess, if you want to call it that in Fort Myers, but that really wasn't much of one. Uh, honestly, if you're looking for benchmarks for what this team needs to get over, I think if we're making seven threes a game, this team is hit is going to be tracking towards at least somewhat of a potential. Uh, you just can't be shooting 18% from three in a college game and expect to win. Like it doesn't you, you would hope though, being at home, that the team would shoot better than than on the road. Yeah, and honestly, that was probably the best crowd I've seen in Norman in ever. Like, b- traveled down there four times. They sucked all four times, and one of them was COVID. But uh, completely non sequitur. I remember hearing something in the broadcast. Uh, I think they said that the that Iowa State didn't get down there till midnight, and so then, then instead of doing shoot around, they just had let the guys sleep in a little bit. Uh, one, do you know if that was true or not? And two, what does shoot around, does shoot around, like, does a new rim actually change the way you shoot? So like, other than just the environment of the crowd and whatever, and the, the opposing player that you're playing, does the actual physical rim, like, and the hoop and what it's like backdrop is, does that, do you need a shoot around to be able to acclimate yourself to that? That's probably player by player. I'm sure you could talk to any one of my teammates and they could agree or disagree with me. Myself, I think every arena is a little bit different with the backdrop, so it does matter a little bit, but you could really iron that stuff out if you get to the game early enough because I know you're allowed to be on the court 90 minutes before 
tip, just go 90 minutes before. I know in certain spots in Hilton that where the lights are set up, you'll get lights in your face if you're looking at the rim. So you want to be able to know that when it happens. Other places, I mean, the old Lloyd Noble Center had some weird spots. Uh, Rip, Lloyd Noble. Uh, I don't know what the hell they call the arena. Uh, Texas. Texas. Also, Rip Texas, since they're only going to be in the conference. Actually, no, get rid of them. Uh, ducks. Is that going to be one of those? Uh, ducks? That's a duck. Yeah, we'll yeah. That's a duck. We'll see it, man. Nice. Sorry. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I, Grant, I think it. I think Grant it, and I've used enough. I think it matters a little bit, but not a lot of it. Okay. Uh, after having seen exactly one Big 12 game, what are your expectations? Grant already said lose against Houston, but 10 and 8 in the end of the year. What are your expectations in conference for this team? Again, very small sample size, but while we're making stupid predictions. Uh, I don't call mine stupid. It's a stupid prediction. It might yeah. be right, but it's also it's optimistic. I think I like the 10 and 8. I could see us anywhere between 8 and 10 to 10 and 8, I think. Uh, honestly, do you feel like those are tournament teams? If, if you're 8 and 10, do you think you're a tournament team? In this conference, yes. I okay. Mean, historically, 9 and 9, we won the Big 12. And we were 9 and 9. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's a that's a 6 seed in March. So, honestly, I I think what were what were we thinking for us, Grant, when we were talking? Uh, I mean, we're going to go to the Elite 8 this year, so um <laughs> I think I think Iowa State will probably be anywhere from a six to a ten seed this year. Yeah. So can, can I can I ask a silly question that um, um, I'm kind of a silly guy. Only Is, serious uh, questions here. Would, Only serious questions. Would it be more impressive? Uh, I guess what would be more impressive, whoever wins the Big Twelve this year or who wins the national championship. You know, you know what I'm trying to ask. Yeah. See that. I mean, uh, that brings up the. The conversation, sorry, Jeff. Uh, it brings up the conversation of like the grind of like the old SEC schedules in football. Like, have you okay, experienced so the grind of a Big Twelve the S- schedule? The SEC basketball? schedule, the SEC schedule in football. The only thing would be is they schedule in November the Citadel, like right before and they the, only play eight. eight they only play eight conference games and they play the Citadel sometime in November, like some Mary Sister School of the Poor to rehab everybody, yeah. get them healthy into championship season bowl scenes. So let's not use that one as an example because their schedule, their teams, the top of the SEC in football is better than the top of the most other schools or most other conferences most years. Uh, but the middle to bottom of the SEC is the same as pretty much everybody else. They just get to play a cupcake in November, which is some BS. So I will hop off my soapbox in the SEC schedule. But anyway, continue your point. Jeff Scraps. Jeff Scraps. Oh, no, that was just, I was just saying like that. That's kind of how, I mean, the narrative feels from the outside to me, at least like this big 12 is, is nuts this year. And what they got six ranked teams or eight ranked teams right now, six right now, next year is going to be even crazier when, you know, with the addition of Arizona, um, Colorado's not bad. And then Gonzaga's floating around too. So I don't, th- I, I feel like that's and a UConn. Heard a little yeah. bit of that. It's so many teams. Your so mark. Though, I mean, your mark's out here just doing it, man. You know, bring Nelly to the big 12 championship halftime show <laughs> a plus man great for tv um anything else for the go to the cause before we kind of check out oh, well no i want to ask nate if he, if he has any you know nate jumps on from time to time with us and you know obviously i've been inside the football program so i've got some stories within the football program i want to ask nate i'm kind of putting you on the spot here nate if you have any like just behind the scenes stories um 
within the, the, the basketball locker room that are appropriate to be released to the public that you'd want to want to share with us? I've got one that comes to mind for the football team that, I, that I'd like to share, um, but I'll, I'll give the floor to you if you're ready. You, you go first. If I'm looking for a locker room one, give me a, I need to do some filtering. So be, before I do, is there anything else we want to touch on with basketball before we kind of pivot and go to nothingness? Nothing yet. Just, just the random randomness that is just, just kicking it, man. No. Okay. Um, so coach Rhodes, I don't, I don't know, Jeff, I'm going to, I'm going to tell the, the, the t-shirt story. I don't know at what point in the year this was. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 Okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I don't know at what point. I don't think. I think it was off season because I don't think it was. I think like, it was. A, I think it was the winter. Like, yeah. Like the I, winter, spring. Before season started, I think. So I don't think we were like in between playing Oklahoma and Texas. I think it was just like a, okay, like we're gonna loosen things up before we really dive into it. So one one year we were in the uh, was it the 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 Birch? No, no. The um, whatever the meeting room was, that the, the giant meeting room that mm-hmm. was in. Yeah. So we were all there and. Coach Rose, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was like scrolling Facebook one day and saw like this ad pop up for like a. <laughs> I, I 100% bet you're right. Or he was yeah. like in a gift shop at, on vacation and then just saw like all these funny shirts. He was like, ha ha. Yeah. So I, I think, I think one of those scenarios was true that Coach Rhodes is either scrolling Facebook and had an ad pop up that said something like a goofy t shirt. It's like, oh, I'm going to buy six of these and give them to the guys. So one time in a team meeting, Coach Rhodes called us all together and he started passing out t shirts and we were like, what are these? So the first one, you know, past like five or six, the first one was for Jake Latimer. And so before Jake Latimer came to Iowa state, he had, um, he, he had a couple run-ins with, with the law and, and they involved him when he had been drinking. And so the first t-shirt that, that, uh, coach Rhodes passed out to Jake was, it was a, a deer that was humping a log that almost looked like maybe it had antlers. And there was like two cops with like spotlights on the deer and the log. And above it, it said, I make bad decisions when I drink. So that's that's one of the shirts. Um, <laughs> the, the, the next one he passed out, I got one. There was like a scrawny dude, just like no muscles at all. Just like the, the skinniest, nerdiest kid you can think of. And it said, chick magnet. And obviously, I'm not a strong guy. Um, but I, I can appreciate Coach Rhodes passed that out. The next two, though, that I can remember. And Jeff, I, I can remember the next two. I don't know if there was a fifth one that I can remember. He He... Gave one to uh, Oni Amoyle, who is very, very quiet. Awesome guy. Super nice guy. Very quiet. Very smart. In huge letters, it said across the front of it, I'm shy. And then very, <laughs> very small letters below it, it said, but I've got a big dick. <laughs> For the coach to pass that out was like, what in the hell is going on here? So funny. And then the last one I can remember is um, Hayworth Hicks um, was a guard for us, you know, so bigger dude one of the funniest people alive oh yeah just a just, jolly jolliest yeah. person just when, when you think of like road grader on the field but just like a gentle giant off the field hayworth hicks is is one person that should come to mind so he gave one to hayworth hicks that said um something along the lines of call me dicky do my belly sticks out farther than my dicky do so then dicky do became a bit of a nickname for a while for hayworth and like he embraced it, so it was, it was just hilarious, just hilarious, hilarious, and just like so, so out unexpected. of nowhere. Yeah, so out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. We had no idea this was coming. Uh, it was great. So, do you have any stories like that for, for the basketball? It doesn't necessarily be t-shirts, but just something kind of goofy, or you know, just kind of behind the scenes, kind of give our listeners or something, you know, a little more yeah. lighthearted. Bit. Yeah, one time uh, it was after the wrestling had ended, but they had left 
left some of the clean washed singlets in our lockers because we used before the Hilton renovation we used to we used to share locker rooms with the wrestlers and uh as a joke uh it was it was mike jacobson and i and he was like you should go work out with a singlet on it see what steve says oh, God. <laughs> so there's there's pictures somewhere and i'm sure people can find them uh if there's anyone listening of me doing a workout in hilton coliseum with a wrestling singlet on playing basketball <laughs> how did and, you find uh, one that was tall enough <laughs> it, it was the, the, just dumb luck there was an, it was it, it was an yeah. xl singlet in my locker and i was like oh hell yeah <laughs> so uh yeah there's was uh, it washed yes it was it was clearly clean like smelled a little bit like ball sweat just a little bit there was there was proper undergarments worn so that there wasn't you know good any sort of uh fluid swapping or anything like that but uh yeah it's 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 pretty fun there's a few pictures of uh i don't know if you guys remember the javiel mckay picture way back in the day where he's got the two the two balls palmed full extension he looks like uh Uh you know the old jordan picture where he does that yeah yeah, MJ it's it's that, but it's me with a singlet on. So did you did you play with uh, Jamil? Were you on the team with Jamil? No, uh, actually, a better story with Jamil McKay, if you want to hear it. Uh, yeah, I so, want to ask about like, the, the, the five. Uh, is that where you're going? So, no, completely different. West Virginia football game where we stormed the field. I think that was the original Juicy Wiggle game, if I'm not mistaken. He yep. crashed at my Greer? place. Yeah, Will Greer. We stormed the field, yeah. and I think that's pretty much why we had to move the student section yeah because of that uh jamil mckay stayed at our apartment and he had a friend that was always around him his name is shorty okay and shorty as the name implies very short individual shorty had a ticket to the game chose not to he bought a printer placed in our apartment so we got a free printer out of this and gave he tattoo bookings all afternoon didn't go to the game <laughs> what? so there's just r- r- never met the guy Yep, never met the guy in my life. He uh, he took two lamps out of my room and a tattoo needle and bought a printer from Walmart, and we had just had tattoo bookings in and out all afternoon. Wait, was, was, was he a tattoo artist, or was he just kind of like, ah, I'm going to try to tattoo some people today? At that point, he was beginning. He's an artist officially now, but five years ago, he was not an artist. Hey, Like Donnie Jenner. Like Donnie Jenner, Jeff, if you remember, he was like yeah. pra- practicing tattoos like on his upper thigh. Uh-huh. Real tattoos. That's uh, art in different canvases, man. Art in different canvases. You yeah, got to sling mixtapes somehow. So. Tattoos last uh, almost forever. You can get them removed, but tattoos are pretty permanent. All right. I think we probably get to give people their <clears throat> snowy afternoon or morning back, depending on when you're listening or watching this. So hopefully we didn't sound too stupid after if you're listening to this after the game. But uh, if you're listening to this before the game, Grant and Nate gave you terrific gambling advice. So. Appreciate it, everybody. Thank you to all of our loyal listeners who are still listening. And as always, remember, please don't shop. Adopt.